the 102nd episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. And tonight we are here to review Hobbs and Shaw, the new Fast and the Furious film that doesn't contain any of the original family members. So it's like getting Fast and the Furious, but without the fast, just the furious. <laughs> oh, and they are furious. Let me tell you. Yeah. I would say that a good mm, 50% of this movie is spent just being furious and making jokes at one another. A good 50%. That's I would like to get a running clock accurate. on that, though. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Uh, we'll be doing a review of Hobbs and Shaw, but before we get to that, we have a couple of things to get to. A First off, an update of the summer box office wager that we make uh, every summer. Um going into the last month of the year it's kind of time to update this runs from the first weekend of may to labor day weekend through labor day um so any money made through those is good but you know we decided not to put avengers endgame in because it felt unfair so we kept it to the other films of the summer and overall it has been a lackluster summer Disney's cleaning up. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of scary to see. Disney has the six highest grossing films of the year so far, uh, if you include Spider Man: Far From Home. Wonder how the uh, wonder how Disney and Sony split the money on those. Wonder how that works. I think Sony gets all the money. Really? But I think that in Avengers films, Marvel, DC, Disney gets all the money. I think Sony gets all the money on those, but they also put up all the money for production. Okay. And Kevin Feige still gets paid, so... Yes. Whatever. So, it's a win-win thing. I don't know. Jake and Trevor each only have four films out, and Jake, has one of his five just came out. So, Jake has Hobbs and Shaw, which just opened, Toy Story 4, Rocketman, John Wick 3, and Angry Birds 2, which opens on August 14th, so he's still got some time until that opens. Jake, currently, through his three films and film that just opened has 743 million trevor has spider-man far from home the secret life of pets 2 godzilla king of monsters and men in black international and then dora and the lost city of gold which opens this friday and he has 706 million so we'll see and then i have lion king aladdin detective pikachu x-men dark phoenix and stuber so i was pretty front-loaded but i have 1.01 billion so I'm a little bit ahead of you guys, but I've also had five films that have been out all summer. Um, luckily, I have Aladdin and The Lion King because Stuber and X-Men Dark Phoenix terribly bombed. <laughs> um, I think on a per film average, though, Jake has the highest right now. Yeah. The only one that we really that none of us picked that's doing pretty well is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So in the one week that that's been open for, it's made eighty six million. It is surprising million, that none of us picked weeks. it, but honest, like it is surprising and not surprising. I don't know. Tarantino. Well, Tarantino, Tarantino films never do great really, at the box office. Yeah, not really known for the box office draw. All right, well, we got a month left on that, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, winner gets to pick a movie for the other two to watch, and I'm sure that we all have doozies for the rest of the team to watch if it comes to that. Uh, getting on to honorable mentions, it's been a little bit since we did one of these, but it's time to get back to our recurring segment. Uh, this is a segment where we like to nominate people and put them up for review, where if we knew nothing about a film other than this person was involved, we would go see the movie solely just based on that. So if all that we knew about a movie was that Christopher Nolan was directing it, is that enough to make us go see a movie? If all we knew about a movie was that Mark Wahlberg was acting in it. Is that enough to make you go see the movie? Mark Wahlberg is not an honorable mensch. Christopher Nolan is an honorable mensch. Uh, there are two things that they must also, that must also happen. It must be a unanimous vote. All three of us must agree. And they must have been in or worked on more than five films. So people like uh, Ryan Coogler or Jordan Peele wouldn't necessarily get in because they, I guess Jordan Peele might, cause he's acted in more of the films, but Okay, Ryan Coogler wouldn't because he hasn't directed more than five films yet. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and get to the 25th class of honorable mentions. Jake, why don't you kick us off? Well, I hope I'm not taking anybody else's recommend, but based on the film this week and who's in it, 
I'm going to go with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Charles Minor. Um, Idris Elba himself. Idris. Idris so, Elba has Jake, more swag than anybody possibly deserves to have. I mean, it's Jake, just Jake, do you flowing. know what he's in in December? Uh, <laughs> what is he in in December? You know what comes out in December <laughs> that Idris Elba is in? What? I would say, oh, cats. maybe not even yeah. in, but he danced around while they turned him into a CGI cat. That's true. Yeah, but like, that's Judy, such a huge slap against him. in that. Like, <laughs> there are some yeah, yeah. really good people in that. Yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson is in it too. The best vocalist alive. So. Hot take. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Jason Derulo's in it. I mean, it's <laughs> not a fair <laughs> thing. I mean, there are just people in it, you know? Um, yeah. This Idris Elba is fantastic. He's so great. He is so good. Well, we'll talk about what he is like in Hobbs and Shaw, but he just is perfect in in everything that he's in he's fantastic a uh, yes for me it's not not really a debate he i would even make the argument that he maybe has he is getting up there in the ranking of like best voices in hollywood you know mark michael kane has a pretty great voice morgan freeman has a pretty great voice i would put idris elba pretty high up there on that list too of just like instantly recognizable and like iconic voices I was always on board with him becoming Bond just because I thought that he was just had this like gravitas to him, but I'm also okay with him now being a part of this even better franchise of Hobbs and Shaw and Fast and the Furious as a superhero, which is nuts. But uh, yeah, it's a hard yes for me. No, as soon as you said it, I was like, "Uh uh-huh, 100% in. Let's not forget that he also played Stacker Pentecost in Pacific Rim. That's right. Just he canceled the there. apocalypse. Yeah, uh, he did cancel it. Um, have have either of you guys ever seen Luther? No, have, I, I've have not it. seen Luther. It's on my list to watch. I hear good things. I would uh, I would recommend Idris Elba's most. Re- he's the most recent episode at the time of this podcast release on Hot Ones, and he is fantastic on it. So highly recommend. Oh, I bet that is good. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Idris Elba, a mensch. Welcome to the club. Uh, Trevor, who is your pick? All right, this, um, I'm really scraping the barrel on my list, you guys. This We've been doing <laughs> this for over two years, and I'm not sure how much longer we can keep it up. But uh, this is someone who I think, uh, depending on how you feel, is either one of the most or least talented people in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. He's been around a long time. He has um, another great voice, a very distinctive voice, a very great voice. I've sung his praises many times on this podcast before, and it is the one and the only Jeff Goldblum. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. Yes. Seriously? okay yeah and honestly it's more about who like jeff goldblum has become currently than the work that he's done i think it's he's done some like he it's more about the meme of jeff goldblum but the person of jeff goldblum is like this mythical internet person that i just love jeff goldblum's amazing he's either always acting or he's never acting and i'm still not sure which is the case Name a movie he, that he was in other than Thor Ragnarok in the past five years. Hmm. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> also, he's also the only he's the only actor whose performance itself offers a commentary on every film that he's in. But he's okay. I love Jeff Goldblum as much as the next person. I, I, I mean, if. if I think he is a talented person, and I think that he is a lovable, well-likable person, but would I go see a movie just because Jeff Goldblum is in it? No, I would not. Mm. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm going to say no on Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Sorry, Trevor. Eh, it's, okay. it's okay. I just look at people that we've said no to before, and I'm just like, I would... I don't... I, it's a hard one, but I don't... I just I don't feel like I would go see it just because of him, unfortunately. As much as I love him, and as, he's like in the Alice and Janney type thing for me, where it's like I love him, but I wouldn't go see a movie just because he's in it. That's fair. I told I, you I'm scraping the barrel here. 
I feel our friendship as a group just slowly tearing apart <laughs> and you guys breaking off to do a Hobbs and Shaw podcast without me. <laughs> At this point, this honorable mention thing is almost a waiting game. We have like four or five people who just need to make another movie and then mm-hmm. they're immediately in. And but, but we have this kind of awkward gap until that happens. Well, so let's get to that because there are, I mean, so Bill Hader, we all recently watched Barry. Or I haven't Jake has been watching I haven't it. yet. I thought you said you watched Barry. it. Oh, no, okay, not yet. Mind, it's then. first thing I will. I was too busy catching up on all the fast movies this weekend. Ever. Oh, well, job well done. Um, okay, <laughs> never mind then. We'll get to that later. I'm kind of disappointed. There was somebody that we... There's somebody I am nominating tonight, but there's another um, trio of people that we had talked about nominating, and I was so waiting for one of you guys to nominate this group uh, of people. Because I think all of them should get in as a group, um, but I guess we can wait till next time. Um, I'm trying not to give it away. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? There's a trio of very talented people who tend to work together, and who tend to is it uh, make is it the Jonas Brothers Lonely Island? Yes, thank you. You're it welcome. is the Lonely Island. Okay, nominate them. Um, well, I have somebody else that I was like, I'm nominating this person tonight because there's no way that he shouldn't be up for nomination. Um, we can take a group vote on Lonely Island, though, if you guys want to. I'm an absolute. The first four person. Yes. Absolute yes. Okay. Yes. Definitely okay. yes. That was an easy in the first four nomination episode. We don't we don't make the rules here. We just uh, We just play by them. So... <laughs> Okay, the person that I am nominating is a director who I feel like recently may have had a bad dip, but he constantly churns out movies that are interesting, intriguing. He is somebody who has gone from an actor to a big screen director and is now in charge of some of the biggest properties uh, on the screen. And I think that he is somebody who... Uh, good, bad, anything in between, he is somebody who I constantly am looking forward to what he's doing because he's constantly pushing the envelope in a couple of different ways. And so who I'm nominating tonight is John Favreau. That's who I suspected when you were doing the intro. I, I will make, I won't make, you know, an argument that Lion King is good. I won't go there, but I would <laughs> say that Iron Man is pretty great. Elf is pretty great. Chef and Jungle Book are both great, and he's working on some big things coming up that I think could be good. Uh, even him as Happy Hogan, if you want to look at it as an actor, he's pretty talented in that role. Man, I still have never seen Cowboys and Aliens. I really need to get that one. In a, probably mm-hmm. a nice it's amazing. Day. You would love it. He it's said uh, sarcastically. I was being 100% sarcastic. Good. I was like, Daniel Craig doing a Western um, accent is nothing that you should ever this... want to pursue. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting thing. John Favreau, I feel like I, I've never seen anything that, I mean, besides Iron Man, I don't feel like he's turned out anything that's amazing, but he knows how to tell a story and everything he does is engaging. I think of him a lot, um, a lot the way that I think of J.J. Abrams. He has his hands in a lot of places. He does a lot of things, and he doesn't do anything bad. He may not do anything amazing sometimes, but he doesn't do anything bad. Um, so I think uh, John Favreau is a yes for me. Oh, crap. Um, Jake's going to be a no. It's okay if you're a no. I just know Jeff Goldblum. I feel guilty about that. I think for me, it's a yes based on the impact that he's had on the industry, not so much because of the quality of content that he makes. I think he's he's almost like a James Cameron in that sense where it's like, I don't think James Cameron's really that good of a director, but like the technology and ideas and property management that he's brought into the industry is really impressive. And I think that's what John Favreau is really, really talented at. And so because of that, it's a yes. Cool. Based on the initial reaction, I'm surprised by that, but okay. I'll I take mean, it. he's not like Welcome. first ballot, you know, not a first ballot unanimous, <laughs> but he's he's in. He's not a he's not a Spielberg or a Wes Anderson or something like that. Right. I get that. Um, all right. Welcome the 25th class of honorable mentions: Idris Elba, John Favreau, and the Lonely Island. 
who are all talented in their own rights. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, I'm sorry. If you are listening to this, I do love you as a person. Take that for what you will. Trevor, I understand that you got to see a pretty intriguing trailer that Jake and I didn't get to see in front of Hobbs and Shaw. So I got to see the teaser for Tenant, T-E-N-E-T, the new Christopher Nolan film um, that comes out, I think, next July. Um, I've learned this weekend that Tenant is hard to say because I've been telling it about people and people are like, what? It's kind of like <laughs> rural. It, does, it doesn't really sound like anything. Um, the teaser itself, uh, there's not a lot to it. You can find some explainers online if you want, or describers, whatever, if you want to see what it's about. Um, it's basically John David Washington looking at some bullet holes in glass, um, which is great because John David Washington is fantastic. Um, but besides that, there's not a lot to it. There's a ticking clock noise, um, which you know that Christopher Nolan hates the linear nature of time. So he's going to do something about that, which we know Jake hates. Um, I don't hate so, it. Yeah, I just I think mean, it's self-indulgent to a point that hurts the story sometimes. I agree, sort of. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, like I said, there wasn't a lot to it. Who knows what it's actually about? We know that there's talented people. We know that it's Christopher Nolan. Um, Christopher Nolan, his, his worst non-superhero movie is still great all of them i don't know i don't know what to say but the 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 teaser did not meet the hype because i think the hype was made by some exclusivity um and it wasn't really anything exciting but i'm excited there's a new christopher nolan film that's how i'll sum it up i think like trevor you hit on that even his worst non-superhero movie is still great i mean if you look at what he's done i think dunkirk looking back on it is better than my first impression of it Interstellar is a movie that I like quite a bit, but I understand isn't everybody's cup of tea. But then when you go back farther than that, it's Inception, Prestige, Insomnia, Memento. Like those are all pretty good films. Insomnia is probably his worst, but uh, I was going to say Memento. It's a little gimmicky. Well, it's gimmicky well. now. Right. That's what I'm saying. But I don't think it was gimmicky when it came out. Right. Also, his his best movies are among the best made this century. Yeah. Do you guys think that... I was thinking about this today. Do you think Christopher Nolan, the hype around him, has cooled down a little bit after Interstellar and Dunkirk and Dark Knight Rises? Yes. Undeservedly so. so. Uh, Dunkirk is amazing. I know you guys didn't like it as much as I did, but I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing film that was edited wrong. That could I've that watched, could be. I've watched it again since our initial review two years ago, and I I like it a lot more now. Now that the I don't do you call it a gimmick or do you call it the editing style, whatever you want to call it. Now that that has like washed over me, and I've been like, okay, let me get past this. I think he gets great performances out of some people that not that you wouldn't expect. Like Harry Styles hasn't acted in anything, and yet Christopher Nolan got he's, a pretty great. He's great. Yeah, um, Barry Keegan, this kind of kicked off his career, and now he's doing big things. Chernobyl, uh, he just got cast in Marvel's Eternals. That's an interesting take, Jake, because I feel like the prestige and Inception are so good because they're edited exactly right. Yeah. You know, like like I think it's it's an interesting way to feel about it. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I'm not comparing him to this director, but it's almost like M night Shyamalan where you're, you're so successful that then they give you too much slack almost. And you almost kind of like <laughs> shoot yourself in the foot because of your I creativity. And then you make a movie about Paul Giamatti and a pool mermaid. Exactly. Right. Where you yourself are the prophet that can save the world with your writing. Yeah. You know, some people would call it pretentious. Others just would just bit. call it art. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I would say that Christopher Nolan's oh this is going to be a bold statement I would say that Christopher Nolan's worst is still better than M Night Shyamalan's best I don't know dude Signs is so good <laughs> Signs is probably better than The Dark Knight Rises yeah okay throughout The Dark Knight Rises no you can't I would say that Christopher Nolan <laughs> he made that movie <laughs> he did. 
He did. And I have been on record saying that it's a garbage movie. Um, I also, up on my... What's that called? What's the time hop? On my time hop the other day was my initial Twitter reaction to The Dark Knight Rises. And I think I used four pluses after the A, after my initial (laughs) (laughs) screening. (laughs) (laughs) I've changed my opinion slightly Uh, since then. I mean, it's it's an amazing watch. Whatever. Uh, it's it, well, uh, here. Here's what happened: is Christopher Nolan was like, "Okay, I've made five amazing movies in a row, and I want to do the Nightfall saga on screen. I don't care how it turns out. We're just gonna do it. Get over it." So that's fine. And then he, you know, made a bad movie, but that's his choice, not ours. And he is still more talented than I will ever be. So who's the winner and who's the loser? You decide. It's not me. Oh, sorry. I forgot. The other big thing about Tenet is that it's going to be, there are going to be some 70 millimeter IMAX showings. So cross your fingers that one of those comes near. All right. Well, then let's get to the other trailer to talk about, which is the new Daniel Kaluuya film called Queen and Slim, which is a modern day take on Bonnie and Clyde. What'd you guys think of this trailer? Man, this, this trailer blew me away because i had no expectations i didn't know what it was never seen it before never even heard of this movie trailer comes on and i was like ah man this is gonna be that like the hate you give where it's like it's about cops and and murder and all that stuff and like and it's an important social issue i see both sides but a lot of times movies with an agenda like a political specific agenda aren't good movies most of the time. And so I was like, ah, this is going to be a waste. And then the trailer played and I was like, holy crap, this looks amazing. <laughs> um, it looks so good. I'm so excited about it. The edit, the, the music in it, the performances, the cinematography, um, it looks incredible. And it's, it's written by Lena Waithe, um, who has shown, an ability to handle material such as this in a really interesting and um, thoughtful way and hilarious way. So I, that's, that's one of the big draws for me is, is her writing the being the writer on this. Yeah. I think Lena Waithe has proven herself as one of the most talented writers working right now. And this is one of those movies that I knew nothing about. Hadn't seen a trailer, hadn't seen anything for, and then the trailer plays, and it's one of those like you're kind of instantly like paused. You're just like, wait, what did I just watch? How did I not know about this? Especially when you look at who's in it and who's involved in it. And so, you know, this Universal put this at a prime Oscar release. This is a November 27th release. I know it so, comes out the same day as Knives Out, the new Ryan Johnson movie, mm-hmm. which for the purposes of this podcast, I'm mad about. <laughs> well, it's a Halloween one. We we all have nothing to do during Halloween. We can go see two movies, right? It's November, dude. It's Thanksgiving. I said Halloween. I meant Thanksgiving. That's what I meant. <laughs> I don't know my American holidays. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Um, The director, Melina... Matsukas, uh, I hadn't heard of. Apparently, she's directed episodes of Master of None and Insecure, which is, you know, both very critically acclaimed shows. And then she's the executive producer on the new TV show Why the Last Man. So, definitely got her hands in some very interesting things. And yeah, we'll she see. Also this is, is an be... award winning music video director. Yes. Which Worked which is one of those things Beyonce. where you think, oh, what's the thing? If you can direct a music video, you can pr- pretty well you can probably direct a movie too. They're not that different. Not at all. Hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. waiting for Jake's Jake's response to that. <laughs> it's exactly the same. I mean, it's just like thirty times longer, but it's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's a such a simplified way of <laughs> breaking that down. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's unfortunately get into our review of Hobbs and Shaw. Unfortunately. And uh, I will go out and just say that I, 
I have been, this is the first time we've reviewed a Fast and the Furious movie on this podcast. And part of my initial uh, wanting to start a podcast when we first did this two years ago was I always was like, I want to champion the Fast and the Furious films because they don't get the credit that they deserve of how amazing they really are. And I've loved these films from day one, back in 2001, when they first came out. I even love, there's only one actual bad film in the series, and that's Fast and Furious, not The Fast and The Furious. It's the fourth one. All the other ones are pretty good. I was wildly, wildly bored and disappointed by this movie. Listen, the last, the, this should have been a 45-minute movie, and it should have been the first five minutes and the last 40 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It should have just been Jessica Kirby's character, or Jessica Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby, yeah. The uh, scandalous little sister from The Crown. This is such a weird... Oh, so, okay, you guys get into your initial reactions. I don't want to <laughs> steamroll and just harp on why I don't so, like this movie. So, I thought this was a true mixed bag. It had some high highs, it had some low lows. Um, but it ultimately just ended up being with the exception of Vanessa Kirby, who I thought was great in it. Um, and Idris Elba, of course, um, playing a very weird character. Um, this ended up being just a watered down mission impossible, John wick hybrid, um, which was really disappointing from David Leach who directed Deadpool two from last year, which I thought was very good. Um, was a co-director with on the original John wick. Yeah. And, um, they're just there's the soul of this franchise is missing so much so that it's like Chris Morgan wrote the screenplay and intentionally decided that every time you thought a character was going to say family, they were going to say something else. And or, or every time you thought they were going to say family, they ended up saying something else. And it doesn't work for the series. The reason why these ridiculous, over-the-top, insane, dumb movies work is because they're all about family at the end of the day, and that's what makes it all work together and sells the whole thing. And here, we got like weird, obscure references to it, and we kind of get there in the end. But, good lord, there were four too many monologue no, <laughs> duologues between the two characters just hurling insults at each other that were not funny and really boring. And then Kevin Hart came in, and I was very <laughs> I'm done with that. Like, what is this? What is that? Okay, sorry, I've gone too long. Jake, it's your turn. Oh, man. Well said, sir. There were some parts of this movie that I thought were fantastic. I mean, like, it's it's big, stupid, fun action that's done in a unique way. That all Everything that they're doing is always, like, it's a, it's a way to up the ante from the last film, and they're doing stunts with cars that really nobody else is doing but like it's now at the point now where it's all cgi and like nothing is real so what's the point um that was kind of like the fun of the previous films where it was like that's a real car going through that building holy crap they had to trash hundreds of cars to get that shot (laughs) yeah yeah they don't do that anymore so man i don't know i'm just so That's how I feel about it. What's <laughs> weird is so th- this series is so much about family. And for the longest time, it was about one family. And that was Dominic Toretto's family, his crew of people that he had put together. And then this huge behind the scenes fight happened between Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel, where they weren't even shooting any parts of eight in the same room. They had to rewrite parts of the eighth film so that they were never in the same place. And it's weird watching a film knowing that and knowing that Dwayne The Rock Johnson wanted out because of that and wanted to do his own movie because of that. And so it's almost like you're watching this like divorce happen on screen between these two like sets of the family. bald men who are jacked. (laughs) Yeah. One who's actually jacked and one who's dad jacked, I would say. Not like, you know. I would say Dwayne the Rock one Johnson of the movies, is, is I, I watched. I watched them all this weekend. I think it was six or seven. And that every scene, both of them are bigger than they were in the scene before. I'm pretty sure. Like mm-hmm. they just keep getting bigger throughout the movie. Yeah, it's called steroids. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 
I don't. I, I. It's just so hard watching this and feeling like it's complete and feeling like it's not missing something and like it's not just. Because th- for the long it's, time, whenever they said family in those movies, the people that worked on these movies and were in them were so close behind the scenes that it actually was family. And I think that that was evident in their chemistry. And I feel like now them using the whole like family thing is almost just like a joke uh, to be like, Hey, look at us written in this script. That's how, that's how the script was written this time. Yeah. And it's just like, it feels and not that anything in these movies ever should be serious, but it's like, it just feels like them using a word to be like, hey, this is still about family. And writing in this whole like Samoan s- plot thing to include family in a way that's not the original family. Well, and especially coming off of eight, in which it's that's like eight is the realest this series ever got with. Um, I guess spoilers somehow if you haven't seen it, but with Elena just being shot right in front of Dom yeah. on the plane by Cypher and her people, like that's like that's very real implications of this um devotion that they have to family. And this just kind of flips it all around and makes it all look really silly. And somehow, it, like you said, it's it's missing this, but also it's forty minutes too long, while also missing a huge chunk of what it should have. Right. This movie is. We always ask ourselves, like, someday Mission Impossible is going to stop one upping itself, and I feel like in Fast and the Furious was kind of on that same trajectory, where they're like, someday we're going to not be able to include as cool of stunts ever since they've you know been on this trajectory. They. F- tried to i think up things with this whole like (coughs) superhuman character that idris elba plays but i feel like this is what happens when the stunts and everything from a movie that's been escalating stop escalating and just become like stale like everything that's in here is like stuff that's either not as cool as what we've seen before or something that we have seen before and so it doesn't feel as fresh. Let's get into the chemistry between these two characters because the whole reason why this film happened was because people loved the chemistry between Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham. And so was this was the chemistry here the same kind of electric chemistry that they had in the eighth movie? Uh the the whole thing feels like phoned in for a paycheck um from everybody involved i do think that um what's the actress's name Vanessa Kirby Vanessa Kirby Vanessa Kirby i think she's pretty good in this like she she's definitely the standout in this the rock is doing the rock things jason statham is doing jason statham things they've honestly gotten down like their characters and performances are the same in every movie it's it's a formula at this point where they just show up do their thing get their check flex a little bit be grumpy a little bit raise a couple eyebrows uh you know like what's what's the rock smelling what am i cooking today and uh that's about it that's 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 what these movies are with some cool stunts, some stupid characters, some stupid plot lines, and Black Superman. That's that's this movie. <laughs> to, to the point where Jason Statham even makes an Italian job joke in this. Like, he's the yeah, same person. This, it's like, it's like, which, and we'll get it's even more on this in just a second, but it's like David Leach kind of forgot he wasn't making a Deadpool movie sometimes. <laughs> it was like... It was like too self-aware. And then also Ryan Reynolds comes in literally playing Wade Wilson, like literally playing Wade Wilson in this movie. That's the character that he was playing. Which is such a weird, like the character that he plays feels so out of left field. It just feels like a... I I like looked around. I almost felt like like is this the right movie? Like are we watching the right cut of this? <laughs> it almost felt like a commercial where like it's an ad placement where that's related to the movie where they like, bring in like another famous celebrity and it starts out as a part of the movie and then somebody else comes in they're like, "Hey, you should see this movie." It felt like that. Like I was waiting for him or the like he's going to turn and like, say, "Please silence your phones." Yes, like, exactly. 
it's like so the problem with that is is and i was talking to my wife about this as we watched eight fast and the furious movies in the past 10 days um respect what makes these movies work aside from the family thing is that um i watched the last five i think this past week oh my god it was trevor they're all running together in my brain it's hard for me to separate them out now um but part of what makes these movies work is like they're ridiculous but everyone plays it straight like everyone plays it completely straight except for kurt russell's hilarious character who's acting like he's in an snl skit the whole time but i'm fine with that because it's hilarious um but in this movie no one plays it straight at all it's it's very goofy and ridiculous it's there's not even a single if you're gonna make something ridiculous yeah you can't there's there's nothing about this movie except for the character names that make it feel like a Fast and the Furious movie. Like this might as well be whoever the Rock was in Skyscraper and Frank Martin from the Transporter saving the world together. That's what this like, is. The, That's what there's this nothing movie tying is. into the franchise. <laughs> How do you not even mention the team whatsoever? Can we get like a cursory glance of like Dom can't help because he's doing this? You know, like. Are we not? Are we not even going to talk about him because because he hurt because he hurt the Rock's feelings so bad or something? Like, wait, wait, wait. even more important. How do you not mention Luke Evans's character whatsoever in this? There's a third yeah. sibling. Yeah, who's still alive presumably because he just helped save the kid from the right. plane. Right, still alive, and yet this whole movie is like trying to convince us that Vanessa never Kirby call him. and Jason He's pretty skilled. Right. Vanessa Kirby. That's the other part that cracks me up. Vanessa Kirby is 20 years younger than Jason Statham, yet the flashbacks make it look like they're two years apart. (laughs) Also, why is... Why is Helen Mirren getting fifth billing in this movie for being in six minutes of it? Because she's Helen What is that about? I thought she was going to be, like, in the movie. I was ready for her to blow some people up or something. There are are four people in this movie. And that's it. Outside of that, nothing else matters. Like, you randomly have Cliff Curtis, who Cliff Curtis is a pretty big actor in his own right. And then you have... I love Cliff Curtis. He should have been in the whole movie, not just the last 20 minutes. Right. You have Eddie Marson playing this Russian scientist guy randomly. You have Isaac Gonzalez, who saves everyone's lives and then just gets knocked off like it's nothing. Like, what is that about? Isaac Gonzalez shows up for two minutes. This is just like... They want to have the team-up film like Fast and the Furious, but they also couldn't pay for everyone's contracts. This is kind of... This is what I pictured Holmes and Watson to be like, except l- less jokes and more explosions. Is that Ooh, right, Jake? No. <laughs> this, this was actually like mildly enjoyable at parts, so... Okay. Okay. It's just, it's a frustrating step for them to make, and it definitely feels like a step in the wrong direction for the franchise. I'll, I will apprehensively go through the rest of the franchise. I know that Dwayne The Rock Johnson isn't in Fast 9. I think he's in the final film, which will be the 10th film, but I don't know if, like, he has another Hobbs and Shaw before then. I know there's a, like, a female team-up film, led by Michelle Rodriguez coming up with Jordana Brewster in okay. it. And yeah, Justin Lin is going to direct the next two, so it's going to be fine. Oh, thank goodness. Back to, back to Lin Sanity. Last two that he directed, five and six are the two best movies in the series, so it's going to be yep. fine. Yep. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting take. I would say five is by far the best. What's second is up for debate i would put yeah, seven I think up six there is the best i think six is pretty good but i think seven is up there and i think you know all the real all the real fast and the furious fans know that tokyo drift is legit even though lucas whatever his name is has the worst lucas southern Black's accent of all time accent is it's unlistenable like you can't even you need to like mute the tv when he's talking just put on the subtitles but Tokyo Drift introduces the most entertaining character in the whole series, Han. Also, listen, listen, let's talk for a second. Let's oh, talk sorry. Han for a second. Okay, yeah, let's talk Han. Let's talk about how 
somehow we've come all the way back around on Jason Statham, even yep. though he killed Han in cold blood. Yep. Like that, that was a bad retcon. They never should have made that happen. If they were going to make yep. Deckard Shaw be part of the family at some point, he could not have killed Han because there's no way like, uh, no, I don't buy anything that happened after that. No yep. way. Not so, to mention he killed an insane amount of people in the seventh film. Like not like, Hey, I'm a MI six agent that, you know, bad things happened that I couldn't control. Like, right. no, he intentionally yeah. killed tons of people. Yeah. Deciding that he's actually a good guy who got framed by the government now, it's too late yeah. for that. No way. I'm I'm playing my cards here a little bit, but, like, who's Han? <laughs> so Han was a character who he's... was introduced in Tokyo Drift as a mentor to Lucas Black's character. He was then killed in that movie in a car accident during a car chase through the streets of Tokyo come to find out Tokyo drift is set after the sixth film. So they wrote him back into the fifth and sixth films, but then it comes to be revealed at the end of six that the reason why Han was killed was by Jason Statham's character because they attacked Luke Evans, who is Jason Statham's younger brother. This all probably makes no sense whatsoever. Han is the one um, with Gal Gadot, who gets his his Gal Gadot saves his life at the end of six. I didn't even know Gal Gadot was in these guys. Like I don't know what's going on. (laughs) She's introduced in the fourth movie. That was her first acting credit. Wow, one of her first. Good for her. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Han is also Han's also part of the crew that helps them steal gas in the Dominican Republic. That's what first. That's yeah. when we see him with everybody else for the first time. Yep. All and I him know is that Vin Diesel Fast go way Five back. is the best. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument from any of us on that. That's the film that turned this franchise around from a racing. Really, the fourth film got it from racing to this other thing that they're now doing, where they save the world. But Fast Five was the one that perfected it. I would so make an I argument think... that Fast Five is one of the best action movies of the 2000s so far i know yeah i agree i i know you were talking about cam like where this thing is gonna go and this this has been a weird meandering review but i don't really know how else to to talk about this movie um but i i think you have to go back to the basics at some point right like right 10 has got to be like about racing like that's that's where (sighs) this has to end there's no way i would feel like everybody would take that as such a this movie, like, there are certain franchise. If they if they were going to go back to basics, it was this movie, and it definitely did not go back to basics. So this movie could have easily be, been. Ten should be Creed with cars. That's what it should be. A legacy sequel. Like Dom should be Rocky. Find a Adonis Creed. It can be Michael B. Jordan. I don't care. That's fine. Well, that's what they tried um, to do with uh, Scott Eastwood in the eighth film. You know who is not terrible like he usually is in that movie? Yeah, but still kind of can funny. you tell me a single thing that his character did in that movie? Oh, no. He was just there to be funny and be in the way. He was there as the, uh, what's it called? The, wow, that's bad. Um, who's, what's his name? Uh, Paul Walker stand-in. Except he's not but, nearly as good looking. Right. Nobody is. <laughs> but... I'm the tenth. The ninth film does have John Cena, so at some point we get to see John Cena and The Rock in a movie together. Hey, Roman Reigns is in this one. Did you guys catch a little glimpse of him a couple times? I, I booed. I booed the, the screen. Which is, <laughs> it's so funny though because was, they you only caught a glimpse of him so because much. they yeah, and they made sure to show show him to you when he was doing things though. Like, oh, here, yes. look, this is Roman Reigns. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is when he was doing things, the camera was shaking so bad I couldn't even see what he was doing. Oh my right. god, the cinematography yeah, and that fight scene at the end was atrocious. Let's let's talk about how John Wick has ruined all action movies, mm-hmm. yes. and this just watching this and watching how much they cut in every fight scene is like oh those guys may not even be in the same room even though it looks like they're fighting each other yeah um right so and and another thing this another weird thing this movie did is 
good lord with these close-ups like why is every dialogue why every bit of dialogue is a close-up that's all that's in this movie it's yep. close-up and then cgi action shot is it is it so everyone could be sitting down while they were acting <laughs> so when i one thing that i really noticed about that was when the rock and vanessa were having their like chat before the battle at the top and it was like a weird yeah jump cut from like vanessa to the rock's face exact same perspective i feel like what they did was they shot all of this in 8k just master shots and then they would just like crop (laughs) in that's what that felt like like that felt really bad that was was for sure what that was it was like that's a great point it was it was like they decided to reshoot the second half of the conversation, and so yeah. they had to find a way to slide it in. Also, what a forced it, plot. Yeah. Like, of all the things to do in this movie, you force Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character to have a romantic relationship with Vanessa Kirby because, I mean, who else would they... Like, there's nobody else on screen for them to put a romantic subplot in for. Let's just force these two characters together. Again, if you're going to take something from John Wick and do it well, take the we don't need romance in our action movies. Right. Like, if you're trying to match what, like, Letty and Dom have in the Fast and the Furious franchise, you're not going to get there. They've been building that for eight films. Jeez. Oh, man. Also, why does nobody else that works for Etion have upgrades? Why does just Idris Elba have upgrades? Why don't you have a whole army of people with upgrades? This is where you earn your upgrades, why? boys. Why would you not just up? Okay, but wh- why? They do they not realize that if they had ten people with upgrades, okay, this the, would not be a the problem. The weirder, okay, the more unbelievable tech is his like slinky motorcycle. Like, what is that yes. about? <laughs> yeah. What? How is that even possible? Like, like I can deal with cyber bio upgrades. That kind of makes sense to me. But the slinky <laughs> motorcycle still being able to be super fast. Like, what? When he it first talk like, about that slinks and goes between the two 18-wheelers, uh-huh. this guy behind me goes, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just wanted to be like, I wanted to just like wave my hand dismissively at the screen. Like, get out of here with that trash. Like, <laughs> like we know, like, it's everything this series does, or for the most part, is like on this like very razor edge of plausibility. Like, right. Dom jumping across a highway bridge to catch Letty and land on a car. Like, right. that could happen. Like, it could. It's never going to, but it could. But Slinky Motorcycle? Not to it mention, it doesn't work f- like that. Like, there are a handful of different ways that that could have gone where they go under the car and then he has to follow them. Like, you could easily just like spend an hour and you could probably think of five different ways of how to make that action scene. 10 times cooler and more interesting than him slinking under and fitting if between this tiny slot. If he's black Superman, why can't he just go through the trailer? Come on. Exactly. Or go over them. This or definitely like, felt I mean, the most like egregiously in the face of physics out of the fast film so far. Yes. Yeah. Cause yeah, basically what the other ones are reliant on is ramps being in places they would never actually be. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> that's what that's what most of the ridiculousness of the other films is is from, but this is just You're right, Jake. Like like did you go to physics class at all? Like I don't There's there's not even a hint of believability. I mean, that's even less believable. Some there are things in this movie that are less believable to me than parachuting cars out of an airplane. They do that. They do that in the well, army. That's how they I drop. Say, they actually well, do that though. Yeah. Right, but not with the kind of precision that happened in that film. Yeah, and not with like million dollar race cars. <laughs> right, right. But I'm saying like that to me seems like kind of the gold standard of insane things this franchise has done, and then mm-hmm. this just went too far past it. Right. Was there ever a time at this movie that you guys like genuinely laughed and not out of like a oh eye roll type laugh, but like a like that was really funny? I mean, Ryan Reynolds was funny and and the Rob Delaney exchange and every everything was funny, but it was still like didn't feel like it belonged. Right. I definitely feel like a part out of another movie that they were like, oh, let's throw this in there. Yeah. You guys the know time- who was originally supposed to play the director of Etion? 
Any guesses? Like the voice that we just hear? Well, who was going to step out from behind the shadows at the end of the movie and be the actual directors? Think of like a really big action star. Tom Cruise. No. That'd be good, though. Can you imagine? Tom Cruise (laughs) just steps out. That would be hard. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Chuck Norris. No. Uh, We were just talking about one of his films a little bit ago. A Mr. Keanu Reeves. No, oh. stop it. See, yeah. he's too good for this. He's too good for this. Well, I mean, he's worked with David Leach. I think, you know... Wow, everybody in the series has worked with David Leach. Charlie's Theron, Reynolds. Goodness. David Leach is must loyal. Be a, must I, I be a nice that. guy. People, people must like him. He seems like he's probably a really nice guy. He start, Isn't he the one that started off as like a stuntman? And then worked his way into directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Chad Stelsky. Yeah. Okay, Jake. Well, I feel like you haven't said very much. What else? What else do you have to say about this movie? There's nothing to say. Like the points where it's supposed to be funny, it's like offensively not funny when they're doing like the direct to camera insults. Like it, that felt like improv, but very bad improv. That's what that felt like. I, I think I kind of laughed when like Kevin Hart came out of nowhere mostly out of surprise and also like of course kevin hart is in this like of of course and his little bit where he like dropped his voice when he dropped his voice that was kind of funny like (laughs) Uh that was good i'll give that to them that was good i just when when he popped up i was like are we still doing this we're still doing this okay (laughs) okay wait we haven't talked about the very (laughs) The last battle scene in this movie where they finally realize, hey, we work as a team. We can take him out together. That was (laughs) that was so except for that bit, I I will say Chris Morgan has gotten while while his stories have maybe gotten worse. His dialogue has gotten better. Some of the earlier scripts in this movie are the dialogue is very bad. Um, but they at least seem sincere. Nothing in here feels like sincere or like either of these right. characters actually care. I, I I guess we haven't talked enough about the good in this movie and everything that surrounded Hobbs customs and all of the work they did there was really cool. Yeah. The montage of getting everything ready, the, the propane takes under the cars that exploded when the rock hit that pad on the ground. That was awesome. The, the mom um, throwing the chancla from a hundred feet away and hitting <laughs> Uh, yes that was so great <laughs> <laughs> yes that was that was awesome and, and, and like having the the deactivated gun thing was really hokey but it led to a really cool thing of this kind of old school hand-to-hand like us against you battle kind of thing that was all pretty cool and i like the idea of fishing for helicopters from a tow truck it got a little out of hand there but i like the i like the premise the Rock turned into Captain yeah. America for a second, and I was I was offended. Yeah, <laughs> that really was a Captain America shot. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the next film where this merges with Mad Max. I think that's <laughs> the only direction this can go. Oh no! Well, yes. If George Miller is directing, yes. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so where? Well. Let's just get to our final thoughts. And if you guys have an idea of where this sits within the rankings of Fast and the Furious films, go ahead and feel free to throw that out. Jake, let's start with you. Uh, it's a big, stupid action fest. It feels like it feels almost like a, a bad satire or reboot of like 80s buddy comedy action films, but like does everything wrong. <laughs> um it's it's a d plus c minus for me i just also i'm not i'm not the franchise person like you are cameron when it comes to fast so like i don't i don't really care i'm not really invested in these characters and also i don't because of that i don't think i can rank it in the universe i know that uh five (laughs) six and seven are better um yeah so i can say that that's about it um i have it um as seventh best in the series ahead of fast and furious and tokyo mm-hmm. drift Oof. um uh I, I think that it's 
it's it's it's lows are lower than Tokyo Drifts and its highs are higher than Tokyo Drifts. Um, definitely not on the level of um, five, six, seven, and one, which I think are the best um, in some order. Um, yeah, it was ultimately a disappointment. I actually I liked it better when it ended. I thought it was fine. The more I've thought about it, the less I like it. Um, the the idea of watching it again is daunting to me because I don't <laughs> think I could ever watch it again. It just there's I don't I don't know everything that happens after the first five minutes for the next hour is unnecessary. Yeah. So it, it would be hard to watch again. Yeah. Um, I think this is at the bottom for me. Maybe tied with Fast and Furious. Both are pretty rough. I think I've grown to appreciate Fast and Furious, and when I say that, I mean the fourth one a little bit more over the year, just for what it does in setting up five, six, seven, and eight. But yeah, this was just—it was just not enjoyable. Like normally, I walk out of these movies and I'm like, "That's what I want out of action movies: big, dumb, fun." And I just didn't have fun during this, and so that's frustrating. But it is what it is, and we'll see what ends up happening with this series when. The ninth one comes out, and if this movie makes enough to do another Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. That's all we have for our review this week. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? Oh, we didn't give our ratings, Cam. Or at least oh. I didn't. Did I okay, go rating? ahead and give your rating. Um, I'm going to give this 15 out of 30 minutes required to remove a cyber virus from your blood. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so waiting for like the out of like nine Fast and the Furious films, but I think that's much better. Uh, if I'm gonna give this film a rating, I would give it a D. And maybe I Ow. cool on that a little bit. That's pretty rough. I feel like I just I really did not have fun at all watching this, which it's like I really wanted to. I was really excited for it. I was just really bored. Like I found myself in the last like 30 minutes just being like, all right, how much time do we have left? How much time do we have left? Okay. We're almost there. Almost there. So, um, yeah. Oh, well, let's go ahead and get to our content of the week now. So Jake, what is your content of the week? Yeah. Mine is a, uh, a little Netflix original series that comes out weekly called the Patriot act. Um, it yes. With Hassan Minaj on Netflix. Um, it is it's just a great like comedy news resource that does deep dives into issues that no one else is really talking about. Um, if you like things like Jon Stewart, you're gonna love this. Um, I, I really love I'd consider myself a bit of a news junkie, but um, with how terrible our world is, you sometimes have to, you know, bring a little humor to it. I think he does a really good job of doing that, um, along with addressing issues that no one else is talking about. So check it out. They're only like 20 minute episodes. They come out every week and it's a great way to learn about an interesting topic and be entertained while you do it. Trevor. Yep. Uh, a couple things. One, I've been listening to the spotify playlist called deep focus all week at work and it's uh working for me um it's kind of like a bunch of different artists and songs but it's it's like a it's like if you made a playlist based off of the kind of softer explosions in the sky songs um it's that kind of feel so spotify playlist check that out i also had the dr pepper shake at whataburger tonight and it's pretty good so um i didn't know that was a limited time only Limited time only. Go check out the Dr. Pepper Shake at Whataburger if you are lucky enough to be in a state that has a Whataburger. Yeah. Sorry to all of our Japan listeners. Yep. Um, I, if you are like me and you like soccer, but you know very little about it and you want to know more about it, there's a podcast called Soccer 101 where they kind of go through... Uh, just basics of soccer they go through like what all the numbers mean like what a six is as a position what an eight is what's a derby in England when they play those what's you know the history of the like offside the Kentucky rule. Derby the Kentucky Derby exactly 
there's just a bunch of things that they go through, like, you know, how to watch a game for tactics. Like if you're watching it, trying to look at what they're doing, how do you do that? So if you're like me, I know both of you guys played soccer growing up and so you guys probably have a fairly decent knowledge of it. I know very little, but would like to know more. It's been helpful in informing me of that kind of stuff. So that is all we have for this week. We'll be back next week with a new episode and reviewing something else. If you've enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes or Spotify, subscribe, rate, review us, and go share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at popcornoptional.com. If you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at popcornoptional. My name is Cameron Slanina, and you can find me online at 321CamiTime or on Letterboxd at CSlanina. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That's my website and my Instagram. Trevor? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at TurboTrevor. I have not put any of my fast reviews up on Letterboxd yet, but check those out in the coming week. Awesome. In the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bye. Y'all be good.